Well, good morning. It's uh, the Palmetto Real Estate Pros with uh, Larry, Chad, and Dawn here with you today. I feel like we were just on a break. Yeah. It's like deja vu. It's just a long one-week break, and we're back. Yeah, well, it was a it was a restful week until I injured Bundy. <laughs> yes, not good. So, but it didn't it didn't damage his wisdom. So we still have the wise one with us. You you can't damage that by a, a simple physical ailment. But hopefully you'll get well soon. Yeah, that's better today. Yes. So, Dawn, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are y'all? Um, let's see. You you y'all, can't you can't get the it. south out of her. <laughs> I tell you, man, and I voice text a lot, and I'm here in Idaho, and that y'all comes, <laughs> I have to go back and change it to you all, because I'm not in the South. Just go <laughs> with just the y'all. It. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So this is good. So uh, yeah, we are here today. Glad to be with you guys, and if you have a question or comment, you can call us at 803-799-TALK, 803-799-8255. Welcome in, and uh, remember our podcast is located on our, our website, palmettorealestatepros.com. And uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit, kind of delve into a little bit of weeds today, talking about inventory and inflation and how that relates, supply and demand. I mean, these are basic things we hopefully learned in school, but you can't even guarantee that anymore, it seems. I don't know. But yeah, supply and demand is something we should know. Do they teach economics in school? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. Um, and hopefully, if uh, we have any students out there, they can they can call in and tell us, but they're probably in school. I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we don't know. College students. <laughs> right, right. Call on in. Let us know. Oh, gosh. I'm laughing a little bit because I wonder if any of our politicians have gone to school and learned economics. You, you bring up a great point, though, because, you know, we're talking about inflation, and, and we've been talking about this, how this affects uh, the the real estate market, and you know a lot of the things we deal with are not things of our own doing. It's the politicians, and and it's both parties. It's not one side. Oh yeah. But I mean, who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago? Well, 25, 20 years ago. I mean, really not that long in the space of history, that you would throw around trillion dollar budgets like like with ease. Trillion dollars. Now oh, some. There are trillion-dollar companies now, too. Or exactly. So, but, I mean, the, the budget, um, you know, 2000, what was it, 8, 7, 8, when, when Bush was leaving and we had the economic meltdown, and it was the first time they approached a trillion dollars, and it was just, like, mind-boggling, you know, like, uh, how long would it even take to count to a trillion? I, I think, I don't know that you could actually do it in your lifetime. Right. So, this is money we're talking about. And so... Um, you know, basic, going back to the beginning, right? So a billion dollars is $1,000 million. So a trillion is $1,000 billion. Just kind of, it's incomprehensible to think about. And so the reason I bring this up is, you know, if if we're going to get better <laughs> as, a, as a country, you know, the people that are doing these things, you know, keep passing these budgets because, uh, congratulations, we've just passed the Inflation Reduction Act with another almost trillion dollars, which will not fix inflation. And uh, actually, the politicians who passed it admitted it. It won't fix it. So this is why I say we're in for a long haul with where we're at. It's not the end of the world. You know, life will go on, but it doesn't mean it's going to be roses every time you know along the way but we'll get through it you know and and uh, come on the, out the other side on some 
in some fashion. So that's kind of what we're talking about is, is supply and demand and why we are still, even with all the stuff we're seeing, just don't see a complete meltdown because of supply and demand. And um, so this is kind of our topic today. And do we have a call? Okay, we have a caller come in. So, uh, yes, who do we have with us today? Hi, this is Jan. I taught school for many years here in South Carolina, but I've been retired for about 10 years. And unless they've changed the law, econ and American government are taught high school graduation requirements. This is good news. Thank you. (laughs) This is great news. So the basics. Well, the problem problem I see is that many of them teach um, micro-econ, not common the use of uh, credit cards and things like that, which is what is definitely needed in schools. Well, you're right, because uh, this goes into, you know, you can't spend more than you make. Um, I mean, you can I mean, the way we've said you actually can spend more than you make. I have a question. Many people do. Yes. What, what is micro-econ versus the other? It's more of the theoretical econ. It's more of the things that you need to go to college. Great. Like so, balancing a budget it, or? It's more of uh, what, what we call common econ or um, everyday econ is, is where you look at credit card loans, how do you do, bank, how do you do uh, interest rates, that type of thing, which is what kids need in balancing budgets. Used to have checkbook balances, but not anymore. Uh, this is more of the things that are, it, it does talk about it, in, um, what the national government does on budgeting, or lack of budgeting, I should say, <laughs> um, and that type of thing, but it's, it's more, it's more non-everyday use econ. I didn't teach econ, so I can't give you the specifics of it. I taught the American government side of it. Well, this is great. Thank you for calling in. We asked for someone to call. You guys out there listen. Thank you so much. That's awesome. What's what's your name? (laughs) I'm Jan. Hi, Jan. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you, Jan. (laughs) Anytime. Yes. So, and and what Jan is speaking about is kind of what uh, our topic is kind of like, you know, the basics. And I think uh, Mr. Larry over here, the wise one that we refer to here, he's always said there should be a a topic in school uh, or a a subject called Life 101. I remember you talking about this, Mm -hmm. even when I was in school. That's basically like checkbooks credit cards, your credit score, you know, these things that you don't hear about, you know, they're, they're life skills. Yeah, and they, they should do that before you graduate high school. And it's kind of, the, the reason it's important is because this, there's kind of a disconnect in, in, in a lot of ways people see, okay, Washington is different. They can do things different. The, the things don't work the same there. And it's right in a sense because we can just print money. No one can do that. We can't go home and print money unless we want to be arrested. I was going to say, you can do it, <laughs> right. but if you get caught, you're going to jail. Right. So we, we just can't do that. And so what Erica does on her side, on the lending side, is she looks at the numbers that you give her uh, that can be proven. And what she does is say, okay, this is what you can be approved for. And you can't just say, well, I just want more, so I'm going to buy a bigger house. It I mean, has to be something to be that's to, yeah. But the laws have changed. That's right. <laughs> From right. the 2008 market crash, yeah, the laws have changed since then. Yeah. It used to just be like, oh yeah, well I can afford a four hundred thousand dollar house making fifteen. It wasn't fifteen dollars an hour. It was a lot back then. That's right. So, yeah. matter of fact, Erica, I believe is on the line. Erica, are you with us? 
I'm here. We're talking about you. You called in at a perfect time. Your your ears were itching. Yes. <laughs> so tell us what you got going on in the mortgage industry. We're talking about supply and demand and, and that kind of thing and making sure you're approved for the right house you're buying. And so uh, that's kind of your forte. I, yeah, I try. You know, and <laughs> I, actually, I, I spent this morning um, <coughs> really studying up on um, some home style renovation loans because this, this new broker that we have that it's a renovation product. Um, will actually even let them be done on manufactured homes. Hey, Erica, awesome. can you hold on through the break? Yes, We of have course. a break coming up. I'm sorry. We don't want to cut you off. We want you to finish that thought. Hang on, and we will hear from Erica in a few minutes. Hey, we're back. Um, this is Chad with uh, the Palmetto Real Estate Pros, and you've got Dawn with us today. And Mr. Jordan, that's the wise one, right? Well, I was the wise one. Right now we got somebody else that's pretty wise okay. about the finance. Erica, you've taken a spot. Congratulations. Awesome. All right. So you were explaining how you're trying to do a good job. I think you've already arrived there, but explain what you're referring to, what you were researching. So, you know, I I'm always trying to research new products in a market like this where inventory is low. We're, we're probably going to have to little, get a little bit creative and people are going to have to change their expectations and maybe use products and do things that they might not have done in a, in a different market. Um, and so we, we have a, a, a ton of, of stuff available. Um, like we just got a new home style renovation loan, which is a conventional loan that allows you to finance and repairs. For the property, either cosmetic or stuff that needs to be done um, to make it the home you really want. And on this one specific uh, broker product, they actually allow renovation on manufactured homes. And I thought that was really interesting. Wow. How much? I uh, know. How much are they funding for those renovations? So, it, so on a manufactured home, I think you're, you can only do up to 50% of the appraised value. Wow. But stick belts are different. You know, so yeah, so That's like I was, lot. I was reading all that stuff this morning because you know we get notifications. Hey, um, you know, we got something new added to the the portfolio. So you go in there and you kind of read about it and um, start talking to people about it as I learn more, so that agents and consumers know that hey, depending on what your price point is, there still may be a product out there that helps make the house the way you want it. Um, and so it, it's. And there, we do a lot more than that. We, you know, we can do single wise, we can do double wise, we can do construction loans, FHA, VA, conventional, down to the minimum down payment. Um, we have a one-time construction loan. There's all sorts of of products out there that I think that consumers maybe have been scared away from. But in this type of market where inventory is scarce, um, you're going to have to open yourself up to looking at different avenues to get you into the home that you want to make it the home you want. But Erica, let me interrupt you just a moment. This is Larry. Are there any state housing loans out there available at this time like they used to have or they did away with those or anything like that? No, we have state housing. Uh, we have state housing little, loans. For tell us a little bit how that works for someone looking for a, 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 a loan using that kind of money. So, you know, unfortunately, in the market that we're in right now, it's going to be very rare, whether you're a veteran or going USDA or getting down payment assistance, that you're 
not going to have to put something into the transaction, right? So usually you have down payment and then you have closing costs and inspections and fees associated with obtaining that mortgage. The down payment assistance with state housing typically is for first-time home buyers. Um, and the first-time home buyer, they have two different loans. They have a conventional loan and they have an FHA. The conventional, however, they've done away with the down payment assistance. So it, but they do get negotiated interest rates and mortgage insurance through using a conventional through state housing. FHA does give you down payment assistance. Yeah, Eight thousand, sometimes up to eighty-five hundred, depending on where the house is located. Mm-hmm. Um, and that usually will cover down payment. But for first-time home buyers, that means that you're probably going to need funds to come to closing to cover your closing costs. Um, I don't think that we're back at the market where sellers are giving a whole lot of seller concessions yet. Um, And so I tell people we absolutely can look at down payment assistance, but we're still going to have to have something in the transaction. Uh, State Housing also has a move-up program. So if you're not a first-time home buyer, you still can get 3 or 5% down of uh, the loan to down payment to move up. So there, there are a lot of products out there. We also um, have specific down payment assistance programs through us. Uh, we have a Tanoa fund. We have our own um, Powered by Cardinal first-time homebuyer fund. So there is money out there. I think we have to do a better job of letting people know that in this specific climate uh, where there's low inventory, so there's still more buyers than properties available, Sellers still continue to have kind of the advantage here. And so while we can help you with getting access to some funds to purchase the home, you're still going to have to have access with your own funds or looking into retirement or asking a family member for a gift to kind of make up the difference to get us to the closing table. This is good information because there's there are ways around um, obstacles and what you need to find out those ways around or through or over under whatever it's the good ex- experts that can help you through the process erica has been doing this a long time we appreciate the help that you provide us and our clients erica and we just encourage everyone to check check you out on our website or on uh, your site you can go to our site palmetto real estate pros to get to erica and listen in every Tuesday from 9 to 10 to Erica and her partner on uh, more details on the lending side of things. So, Erica, we appreciate you coming in, and this is perfect for our topic today because when you hang up, we're going to talk about uh, some of the stuff more in depth about inventory and, um, you know, where we're at in this market. So we appreciate you calling in. Thank you. I hope you all have a great weekend. All right. Happy weekend. Thank you. So one of the things we wanted to mention here on today's show is is to kind of give some, uh, like we usually do, some perspective on where things are at, and we still are in a seller's market. And so, uh, you know, it's not a trick question if someone says, are we in a buyer's market or a seller's market? And so how do you know which one you're in? Well, Erica mentioned some things that kind of told us. we're not. She said we're not in a place where we're seeing um, – sellers give concessions to buyers like one a concession would look like you know a closing cost like i'll help you pay for your cost to close um, what would be another seller concession don that you've seen uh home warranty home warranties providing a home warranty uh, uh green to do things 
to help the seller either close or fix stuff. You know, we're, we were seen at the peak when it was really, really tight. You know, people buying houses as is, no inspections, you know, they would 20, just... 20000 over asking right, price. Going, so, so we are see a soft, we're seeing a softening, but we're still in a seller's market. So actually, there's a, there's a rule of thumb that I heard for years, and I don't know if, Dawn, you've heard this, but I know uh, our, my father and I have, is that a stable market, you should have a five to six month supply of houses. Have you ever heard that? A balanced market. A yep, balanced, stable market. Mm-hmm. Where there's there's uh, buyers and there's sellers and you know there's there's uh, room I guess for both sides and so right now we've been running with a one month or less supply so this is why we were talking about supply and demand basics of supply and demand so so let, let's clarify what that means is that uh, the average days on market. If we're saying one month is about 30 days on market before a house gets an offer and is pending. And if there were no more houses listed today, no more houses, then in one month we would run out of supply. We would run out of houses. They would all be pending and then sold. That's, That's right. What that means. And so in, in our particular area, now you could do this nationally, but we're talking specifically in the Midlands some information that this is from July, so every month a new report comes out. Uh, so as of July, um, the inventory of existing homes has continued to climb with 1.6, now this has to be national, 1.2 million homes available at the beginning of July. <laughs> that's not in our area. That's the national. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, wait, that's not right. Okay, only uh, about $4 million in so the state. <laughs> what this is, though, is this is equivalent to a three-month supply. So this is nationally. So homes are still selling quickly. Now listen to this, with homes staying on the market an average of 14 days. So this tells you that we're in a seller's market. The seller is still driving, you know, the negotiation. So Well, one of the things we were talking about yesterday, Chad, is even though there are more houses on the market, uh, when COVID happened, a lot of people decided not to sell their house. So we had fewer closings, fewer houses in the market. Forward to 2021, even fewer houses on the market, fewer closings. And now in 2022, sure, we have more houses, but we're still historically low for inventory. Like the low inventory hasn't really changed. It's gotten a little bit better, but because it just kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, you know, we're just kind of like the shrink ramp is just starting to loosen, but it's still bottlenecked. And and again, this is as of July as well. Sales prices are up twenty percent. So over st- over uh, over June, over the first quarter. Yes. Wow. Markets increased twenty three point five percent. So twenty one um, days, month supply of inventory is up. Um, 36% to 1.5 months. So if in a balanced market you see uh, four to six months, we're still extremely low. I mean, when houses basically, I mean, in essence, they're selling as soon as you put them on the market. And the houses that we're seeing that aren't selling quickly, bad location, 
needs work. It's ugly. It's functionally something's wrong with it. Uh, you know, it could be the carpets, you know, never been changed. It's, you know, pets, stuff like that. But in general, things are moving still very quickly. And there's a lot of people uh, holding off selling until they make a few repairs to get a higher market price, too. too. Right. And and uh, so, and this is in our market for sure, because in July of 2022, or, or excuse me, um, in 2021, um, there was 1,900 homes on the market for sale, new listings. In in Columbia. In, in Columbia, Midlands in area. our area, in the Midlands area. And then this year, um, that was last year, this year is 1,600. So there's less houses on the market. That's so, surprising. Yeah, so there's less houses, but what it does is just put more pressure on pricing and everything else because people still need a place to live. So and and that affects the rental market too. And that it does. Huge. But yeah, so it, it puts pressure on prices everywhere. So that could change. I mean, so we're not saying this is forever, but what could change that if demand dries up? If people say I'm not buying uh no matter what, I'm staying put. I'm not moving. I'm not getting if if I get a offer for a transfer, you're always going to have that, but if overall more people decide I'm just not moving, then it's going to put pressure on prices to come down. We're not seeing that right now. So we're, we're basically informing the public of what we see right now and why we don't see it changing anytime in the immediate future. Right. So as we talk with buyers who are saying, well, I'm going to wait for prices to come down. I'm going to wait, wait for interest rates to come down before I buy. Like, well, how long are you going to wait? That's they'll, right. They'll pay for it, Grit. And you know what? We're going to have to wait for a break. Perfect timing. See you in a few. Welcome back. You've reached the Palmetto Real Estate Pros where we talk about real estate. All things real estate. And today uh, we are talking about inventory supply and demand which is as we started the show with something that hopefully you learned way back a long time ago that when supply is constrained it means and, and uh demand is there the price goes up and uh you know kind of and dawn you mentioned this, this is kind of what we're seeing throughout the the whole uh you know economy right now there's demand for stuff and not the stuff or oh, limited I, supply of stuff. And when that happens, stuff goes up in price. So, so gasoline has a limited supply right now for the prices up? Or are we just artificially? Well, when you more? don't produce it, then you can't get it. So that stuff that we, we need or want, and you can't get the stuff. This is a, um, a very the, the, uh, you know, what, what, high-level thinking right here, the stuff. Yeah. Um, this is not what you're going to learn in school, hopefully. Well, the gas to get to the house is expensive. Right. right so all the stuff we want, there's there's supply constraints. So it, it's higher because it takes more to get it to us. And so we're kind of seeing the same thing with housing. Until the supply explodes, you're probably going to see prices, can you know, pushing up. This also the affects side. the build. Yes. It also affects the builders that can't get the material to build the house. And that's, that's an, another oh. wonderful point. 
on the good side, we're seeing wood prices starting to come down. <laughs> yes, we had to uh, replace significantly. a floor yesterday, and uh, we remember when a, a sheet of plywood was $95. Which was about three months ago. Yes, it was Maybe 36 five. yesterday. Yeah, and that's tongue and groove. Yeah, so that's better. Yeah. It's better. What a relief. Yeah. What a relief. <laughs> so it's still, it's you know. Cheaper, it's cheaper than the side of beef or the, 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 the brisket I bought yesterday. I got a corned beef brisket, and your wood was cheaper than the brisket. Okay, now you're just trying to depress us, Dawn. Oh, I, you know, I was depressed. I went to the grocery <laughs> store and bought four bags of groceries and spent $120. And I was like, what? It's incredible. I mean, I mean and was. really, it's kind of just what we were talking about. If, if you want uh, the prices to come down on things, you don't just, you know, artificially, like you were talking about, uh, Mr. Jordan, uh, constrain it. I mean, there's reasons why you might do that. I mean, there's reasons you may do that. If you don't want to use it anymore, like we talked about on another show, then you can constrain, you can cramp supply so that the price goes up so people stop using things. And really, that's what we see with interest rates. Why are they raising the interest rates? Because they're trying to constrain something. What they're trying to constrain is inflation. They want to control that uh, runaway prices on things, so they try to cool the economy down. And this is a dangerous game. You know, because so so dangerous. Right, right because what you might see happen, and I would not be shocked by this at all, because of this new Inflation Reduction Act that's going to increase inflation. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. It's the way things work. You put more money supply into the system, it makes it more. You know, prices go up. This is the way it works. So anyway, the uh, the. What we're going to probably potentially, let's put it that way. I'm, I'm so, a, yes, what we may I, see I is interest rates come fast. back down. I, 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 so I, I've stopped reading the bad news, but I, uh, I read this morning that the Inflation Reduction Act was named IRS. And I'm like, <laughs> how is that even like, I mean, at least Trump had the tax and jobs bill, you know? I mean, it was disguised under like good things. IRS. It's a head fake. Like, who thought of that name? Come yes, on. It's great. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see some changes for sure. And they'll, they'll, you'll see fluctuations. But if the economy gets worse, which we hope it doesn't, if inflation is not tamed, which I don't see how it, there's nothing on the horizon that I see that's like, okay, we're going to get it under control now. Then probably what will happen is the interest rates will come back down because it'll constrain things so much that, okay, we can loosen it up again. You know, this is why it's like a, it's a mind game. It's like a tinkering constantly of parts and pieces. Someone's at the control in the back like Oz trying to make something work behind a curtain <laughs> so i mean so one of the things though that these higher interest rates have done is it it stopped housing prices from continuing to explode uh because now people can afford less house just slightly less house i mean again the market is normalizing uh, we're not at that near zero interest rate so um, we're not seeing that twenty thousand dollar over asking price bids um, it's really, it's stopped that a lot. So that's kind of the balance of a higher interest rate is slowing down the appreciation of houses. 
Right. And and you're still seeing houses sell for what they're asking for, for the most As part. A, right. As opposed to like 20000 over asking price and bidding wars and everyone with a loan is losing out to people who are cash buyers. Um, we're not seeing that anymore. So right. that's the good news. So last year, last July, we'll put it that way, last July, the average price compared to listing price so basically what people were getting for the house was a hundred and one percent so they were getting over asking right so if the house was listed at a hundred thousand dollars it was selling for a hundred and one thousand dollars is what you're saying that's right and so this year this july it's a hundred point five so if the house is a hundred thousand dollars it's selling for a hundred and five thousand dollars no a hundred point five so, so it would sell for a hundred thousand five hundred. Ah, see, I'm so glad we asked. Yes. <laughs> so it's slightly, I mean, a half a percent from last year. So overall, um, you know, things are still. Again, it's just a seller's market because of supply but it's and demand. Selling at asking price. Basically. Selling at asking price. You know, and maybe if uh, if a person uh, sometimes the way that works too is if a buyer comes in and they need help with closing costs they'll offer asking price plus the closing costs. So that happens quite a bit. So if they need help with $500 in, in, in closing costs, they offer the $100,000 plus 500 seller contests, concessions in closing costs. And, you know, Dawn had mentioned the seller concessions. One of the biggest seller concessions is closing costs because yeah. if someone needs, if they're getting an FHA loan and they require 3 or 3.5% 3 down payment, Let's use that $100,000 house as an example. That's three to $3,500 down payment that they would have to have saved to put down. Um, but there's also closing costs. You know, you could be looking at three to 6% closing costs, depending on your situation, two to 3%, whatever. And so they could say, you know, look, I've got my down payment, but can you help me with the closing costs? So if the house is, they're asking 100000 Say, hey, I'm making you an offer for $103,000, but I would like you to pay $3,000 of my closing costs. They're, in essence, giving them what they're asking, just rolling in the closing cost. Now, the house would have to appraise to get mm -hmm. the 103, but that's generally, and we saw a lot of that. Uh, we don't see a lot of that anymore. But, um, you know, and I remember, you know, working with folks from uh, out of town and, um, you know, People would say, why would anybody pay anybody's closing costs? It's more common in some areas than other areas. And, uh, Dawn, you could probably attest to this. You've been in Florida and Alaska. Some places, you know, right paying people's closing costs, a seller contributing to closing costs is more common than other areas. And I, yeah, our area was very common. Right. It depends on the market. But, uh, yeah, for sure. Sellers help buyers with closing costs all day long. And the reason is because buyers have the loan, so they're going to pay the sellers all this money, um, and the bank is offering that money for the loan. But, you know, buyers, a lot of people, you know, it, it's hard to save $15,000, $20,000 to buy a house. And so if they can come up with that closing costs, or if they can come up with, if the buyer can come up with the down payment and the sellers can help out with the closing costs, again, that's, it's not uncommon to see sellers help with closing costs, and it's also not uncommon to see asking price plus the closing costs added onto the asking price, uh, especially in this market, so that the sellers um, 
are still walking away with what they want and helping the buyers buy the house. That's exactly right. So there's all kinds of strategies as you move into different markets. And this is why you want to work with someone who's been in different markets because, you know, sometimes you may advise your sellers in a, in a buyer's market, hey, this is kind of what you have to look forward to. I remember a rule of thumb we used to use when we would do listing appointments and talk to folks is you just need to figure that you're going to get around 97% of the list price. And we would basically factor that in when we would, uh, you know, talk to folks about their house. You're selling your house for 100 you're probably going to sell it somewhere around 97% list price. It was just buyers were in the driver's seat. So they got to, they, they got to be more, uh, you know, I guess in the uh, powerful position because there weren't as many buyers. So we're on the flip side of that now. So you would have to tell a buyer today, look, don't ask for a ton of stuff because there's not a ton of houses out there. You don't want to lose the house that you find that you like because you might not find another one. For a minute, <laughs> well, Chad, just let's pretend for a moment. How much is three thousand dollars extra in a payment today? I mean, it's not really that much. It's pennies, no. right? Pennies. Yeah, you can skip McDonald's once a month. That's right. I mean, it's it's not that much, and we're talking about the high interest rate. It's the lowest it's ever been in years. Still, right. Well, and when you ask, say that $3,000, what does that mean? Well, when you think about a loan being amortized over, what is it? It's, they do 30-year loans now, right? Correct. So uh, $3,000 over 30 years, 12, 12 months a year over 36 years, that's 360 payments. So $3,000 over 360 payments is about $0.75 cents a month. Right. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not that significant as far as the, the payment is concerned. But it may be pretty significant for a buyer who's like, you know, short on funds. Say, you know what, we maybe can, we can roll this in and uh, try to get this money, um, you know, paid over time. Yeah, it's, it's, but we get caught up on the small details and forget the big thing. A home is the best investment anybody can make. Right. And so one of my favorite questions for buyers when they get hung up on the interest rate or even the purchase price is you know it's that simple question is what's more important to you the payment or the purchase price because if we can get you this home at the payment you want are you excited about moving into your home i've only had one person say the purchase price is more important than the payment but then i found out he didn't have any money to buy the house with <laughs> Doesn't like, matter. oh you spent your down payment oh <laughs> well, and we know this because this is how they sell cars and sell sell things. You know, they yeah. don't sell the asking price; they sell payment. No payments right. for the three months. The dream of ownership. <laughs> That's it's right. The dream of ownership, and how do we get you there? And, and you know, and we'll we'll close with this thought. But this goes back to one of our first shows. You want to buy assets, not liabilities. Correct. A house is an asset. A car is a liability. So. Hold on to that thought, and we'll come back and uh, close out the show in our last segment. Back in live with you with the real estate uh, 
pros, the Palmetto <laughs> Real Estate pros. You are, yes, I'm like, well, I'm just listening to the boss. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, we need more. <laughs> so coming at you from across the country. That's right. <laughs> live either way. We're we're all live here um, in the studio or in uh, wherever you're at in Idaho. East coast Dawn. and west coast. That's right. <laughs> we we got you covered, coast to coast almost. So that's one of the neat things about real estate. I got to say is it is all over the place. It is in every state, in every nation, in every country around the world. There are there is real estate and and people can be involved, people can buy, people can sell, whether you're American, whether you're like a foreign citizen. That is the neat thing about real estate. No matter where you are, there's real estate. Exactly. And so even in a situation where we see supply and demand out of sorts a little bit. I mean, we're we're coming back into a balanced uh, situation, and, and as inflation continues and uh, things like that, you're going to see more gyrations with the market. Um, so, but either way, there's opportunities in the good or the bad market that we're in. So, no matter what it is, there's distressed properties in every time and every period. There's properties that are in great shape. Uh, we got an email this morning about a um, a property on the lake, is you know, I think is 1.1 million, with some folks that are desperate to sell, and uh, so really yes, so call us yeah so yeah. you know there's I'll there's call a, you. but there's people that need to sell for for a variety of reasons in any kind of market, and when the market is is good, it might be easier to get rid of those houses if it's a seller's market. And so this this term we use a, a quite a bit. This this term forced appreciation is where you buy a house that is in not good shape. So you know any house that needs work is going to be depressed in its sales price. You know there you know even back when the market was we were getting 40 offers on a house, and not too long ago, if the house smelled bad, if there was you know pet feces on the floor which we've seen right we went into oh, one house and we walked in i came out I, I it was on a saturday i was wearing uh shorts and my feet were just burning like itching i was like what in the world i looked down there's fleas all over me <gasps> just covered with fleas and i was getting ready to get in in my um my vehicle and i was like you know looked like a crazy person beating my shoes on the floor on the on the pavement outside but that house does that mean that house has no value? See, most people would just walk away and say, you know, this is ridiculous. Who would put a house like that? I'm thinking, this is great. This is wonderful. Look at this. This is great opportunity. No one's going to like this house, which makes me like it even more. But we're crazy, though. Yes. So there, there are some interesting, uh, I love your term, forced depreciation. So that could be because you're getting a house that needs a lot of work and therefore increasing the value. But other ways of forced appreciation, how often do we go and look at houses that are maybe a three-bedroom, one-bath and say, can we put a second bathroom in here? Because that's going to increase the value. Can we put another bedroom in here? You know, those, those are ways of forced appreciation. Can we open up this wall here so it's not one of those old-style colonial floor plans, but, you know, modernize it to a big open floor plan? These are ways that you can force appreciation, meaning make the house worth more than you bought it for if you want to by you know, by putting the stuff it. exactly so you change what's the pro what is the problem with this house can you fix it change that's, the complexion well that's always the problem or, or the the 
what we're asking. What is wrong with this house that we can fix? And the two things we, we ask that to follow up is how much does it cost to fix or correct the issue? And then what is the, what do we need to get? What are we going to be our all in price? And so uh, how much does it take to fix it? How much does it take to cost to, to acquire it? And then it makes a, and we make a judgment call, it's worth doing this or it's not. And then what it's going to be worth when it's, when you're done. So those are the kind of questions that we're asking on an investment property that, you know, any rational person would ask. So before we uh, delve too deep into this, we got a caller. Um, is it Kay? Yes. Well, hello. How, how are you doing? Good, good to talk to you today. I'm doing great on this liquid sunshine day. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I called to ask two questions. One, where do I go to get a replay of the shows that you do on Fridays? I love the conversation, but a lot of times I have interruptions and can't sit and hear the whole thing at one time. And I promise, Kay, just so folks listening, we did not pay you to ask this question, but it's a great oh, question. But you can if you want to. No, you can. no this is good. We, we did. This is all legit, right? So if you go to palmettorealestatepros.com, palmettorealestatepros.com, you can get all of our previous episodes um, on a podcast and uh, listen as many times as you would like to each episode. So great question. Did you have anything else for us? Yes, the other question was um, when the uh, loan uh, professional was on, she mentioned about uh, loans and different kind of products available. What is considered as a first-time buyer? Does that mean that you've never bought a home before or you haven't bought a home, a primary home in the last X amount of years? That's a good question. It's it's it could depend, and um, it could be both. And that's a terrible way to answer a question. But you know they have programs for both. It's been a long time. Generally speaking, most most of it's going to be someone who's never bought a house before. But mm-hmm. there are programs out there for extended period that you haven't owned a home. So that's a question that you would really need to talk to Erica about because there are well, different okay. programs for for different folks. I, I th- I've heard in the past, and again, yeah, we'd want Erica to confirm this, okay, but um, I've heard that you can buy an FHA loan on a house, like which is traditionally for a first-time home buyer, somebody who's never bought a house, but I think the number was if you haven't bought a house in seven years, you could use an FHA loan a- again to buy another house. Not positive okay. about that, but... It- and I heard it, it was, it's been a few years, so, you know, they change the laws every day. And, um, Kay, there's, yeah. there's also a link on the website, the palmettorealestatepros.com, with Erica's link um, there on the website. So you can check her out on that as well. Call her. She's uh, easy to get. So those are two great questions. We appreciate you calling. And, you know, it is a liquid sunshine day here in South Carolina. Hopefully we'll see sun this weekend. So if we got a little rain today, maybe the weekend will give us better, better time. So thank you for your calling. And we we actually have another call right after this one. So who do we Bonus have with day. us? Yes, absolutely. So welcome in. Who who do we have with us today? This is Ken in Columbia. How you get on today? Hey Ken. Yes, a good quick question. What do you think of your opinions on the offer pads and the open doors? 
that are really popping up around here. You know, where you can choose your closing date uh, up to two months out and things of that nature. So are those good things to deal with or is it still best to deal with a traditional realtor? Right. Well, Ken, you, you put us in an awkward situation here <laughs> because uh, <laughs> OfferPad is a, is a competitor. But, you know, I would just say this. You need to look at all the details of whatever you're signing. That's the biggest thing. And so OfferPad, right. we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, was in a massive lawsuit because of fraudulent advertising. Because they right. were telling folks things. And then, you know, what I found, and this is me speaking personally um, with people who've worked with them. I've worked with people who've, who've done it, and it went okay. Um, but some of the folks that we've actually listed their house or bought their house after they spoke to offer pad is it was kind of almost like a bait and switch like we'll buy it for this but then you know it kept changing the numbers kept changing or and so these extra right. fees and right they, they yeah. the fees like hidden and fees lots the, of hidden fees right so it's not that it can't work it's just that you need to examine it very closely before you get too deep into it and, you know, it's, it may be worth you calling them, but you want to make sure you read the paperwork. Yeah, let, let's interject. We also buy wholesale, so we know what they're doing. And, and it just depends on the person. Um, what do they need? What solves their issue? Or get some the maximum amount of money you're ever going to get on a house's house yet. Uh, the maximum amount is, is right. putting it on the market and selling it to someone who wants to live in it. Yes. I mean, that's the way you're going to get the most amount of money for your house. Um, so there's a trade-off, right. right? If you want to sell it quick, it might, you know, you may not get full retail, but the speed of the transaction may be worth something. So, well, and it also yeah, depends on the condition yeah. of the yeah. house. You know, is it going to be a cash sale? Uh, can somebody finance that house? Um, you know, has it been occupied? Is the roof falling in? Is there a ton of water damage? Or is it practically hmm. move-in ready? Right. Or maybe just need, you know, a little bit of paint and flooring, right? So the condition of the house is going to also determine um, not just how much, of course, you're going to get for the house, but uh, but how somebody can buy the house. And the easier there it is to buy the house, the more money you can generally make on the house. Uh, and when I say easier, I mean if it doesn't have to be a cash deal. Like, you know, chances are you could probably make a little bit more on the house. And, Ken, uh, we appreciate you calling. Just for sake of time, we're going to have to – um, move on at this point, but you know, we, we definitely, you can call our office after hours, anyone listening out there, 803-939-8562. And we won't be pressed for time and up against commercials. So that's a good thing, but we, we have about a minute left, but what we want to do is kind of wrap this, this information up because the market is still moving. People are still buying and selling. Uh, but just like Ken asked, you want to know what you're doing. I mean, you want to know, you're, you want to know what the costs are before you do something, whether you're a buyer or you're selling your house. And so there's advantages and disadvantages with every offer, with every um, sale that takes place. Uh, but the same thing applies in the, the not just the particular sale you have, but the market that you're in. Right. You know, if you're trying to do something that doesn't fit the market that you're in, you may be left with something that you don't want. And so... Um, you know, if the market goes really, really bad, you'll see these, you know, online iBuyers probably go away because they want to work in a market where there's confidence um, in what they think is going to happen. And that's all we all can do is try to tell you where we're at and, um, you know, give you the best information we can. 
listen in next week palmettorealestatepros.com we're going on break Admit it, you've been woken out of a home improvement fever dream after an HGTV binge session and believed you could be a house flipper. Well, that dream is more realistic than you thought. Let the pros at the Palmetto Real Estate Group of SC guide you through the investment and rehab process. And let's make those dreams come true. Learn more at palmettoreg.com.